Welcome. My name is Caleb, and you are listening to the Vitamin C Podcast. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I saw Halloween Ends last night. I went to the theater and I saw the latest Showtime. It was in a Dolby theater, so that was cool, at least, that it was in a Dolby theater. The movie, however, I'm I'm jumping straight into this because I don't think I will have any time to waste talking about anything other than this movie. So you guys know, I like slasher movies. I like dumb slasher movies. But leading up to this, interestingly, Halloween Ends had very few trailers. I think the only trailer I saw was like a minute long. And then I saw a bunch of TV spots that only showed exactly what was in the trailer. And I thought, wow, they're really not trying to show anything in this. And then I heard rumors that the movie was comparable to Jurassic World Dominion. Now, if you have not seen Jurassic World Dominion, which I don't really know many people that have seen it, but it made like a billion at the box office. So obviously some people were seeing the movie. But if you haven't seen it, just know that it is the ultimate, ultimate bait and switch of all movies. In that what was marketed and what was set up is not what we got in the movie. The entire concept of Jurassic World Dominion was set up by Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom, all the dinosaurs get out at the end of the movie and they're roaming the earth. And in the trailers to Dominion, you see the dinosaurs all over the earth. And it seems like it was going to create this interesting dynamic, something that we hadn't before seen. I mean, we had seen like a T-Rex in what? San Francisco, LA, don't remember where it is in the Lost World. So you've seen dinosaurs get out before but not to this scale, not to the point that they are now on the entire planet, basically, all over the world. And then the movie itself of Jurassic World Dominion is about bugs. <laughs> it's I, I, I'm not even kidding here. It's like the conflict, the main conflict is, oh, these, what are they, locusts or something? They're eating the crops, or uh, except the ones that are being produced by this company. I don't know, it ends up being this corporate war type of movie you know like they're fighting some big corporation that's doing some evil scientific stuff which sure interesting enough but i feel like that's just not what was set up and not to mention the movie itself is just not that good halloween ends here's the interesting thing halloween kills ends in a very interesting way, even though the movie itself is not that good, it's mostly just Michael Myers brutally killing people and people making terrible decisions, but in a pretty hilarious way, in my opinion. So it's like the ultimate dumb fun slasher movie, the best of the best dumb fun slasher movies. But the movie ends, spoiler, this is Halloween Kills. So this was a few years ago, or I guess a year ago. But it ends with Michael Myers killing Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter, played by Judy Greer. And then he's gone. And so this movie, I don't think the trailer said exactly when it would take place, but I think a lot of people were like, oh boy. Even in the brief trailers, you see Jamie Lee Curtis face to face with Michael Myers. So it's like, this is going to be the final showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. How interesting. And this movie is largely not that at all. And I say that because largely Michael Myers is not really in the movie. 
He's in it a bit, don't get me wrong, but he is not the focus of the movie. He's really not even the lead antagonist for a majority of the film. And yes, this may come across as a spoiler, but guess what? It's only a spoiler because, frankly, most movies would have shown you guys this in the trailers. The only reason this movie didn't show it in the trailers is because they knew no one would go to watch it if they felt the movie was about something other than Michael Myers. And this movie is not about Michael Myers. I actually saw people tweeting about it beforehand. There were plenty of people that said, oh, this is the last Jedi of Halloween movies. And I said, oh, okay. That's all I need to know. My mind was not made up before seeing the movie, but saying the last Jedi of X franchise is code for, this was a really shitty movie that I just happened to like. And that's not a knock on The Last Jedi, by the way. I defended that movie when it came out. I'm just saying that when people say this is the last Jedi of X franchise, that is usually a sign you are about to watch a really, really shitty movie that is only divisive because some people are going to like it just for the sake of liking it. I'm not saying this is bad, by the way. I think it's a bad slasher movie because it is hardly a slasher movie. And when you're watching a Halloween movie, you're signing up for a slasher. That's that's the truth. And when you're watching a Halloween movie, you're expecting to see Michael Myers. See, that's why people hated Halloween Season of the Witch. That was Halloween 3 because they made Halloween 1 and... Michael Myers gets shot and then his body is gone at the end of the movie. And so they said, well, we'll make Halloween 2 because the first was such a big hit. And then they made Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. And it wasn't intended to have anything to do with Michael Myers. It was its own thing. They were going to be these anthology movies. It was just these scary events that take place on Halloween night. And they were going to come out pretty much every October. But people hated it because Michael Myers wasn't in it. And so they went back to Michael Myers and the Halloween franchise then became the Michael Myers franchise. And this movie, not to say it's season of the witch and that Michael Myers is not in it at all. He's not a presence in this case. He's a presence, but I just feel like he's not a big enough presence. And he's also totally washed up in the movie. Like, dude, he is getting his ass kicked from start to finish. Well, not start to finish because he's not even in the friggin movie from start to finish. <laughs> I sound heated about this movie, and it's because I went to an 11 o'clock showtime at AMC Theaters, which if you've been to an AMC, you know they show like 25 minutes of trailers. So 11.25 is when this two-hour movie started. Two hours? Let me see. Let me double-check the runtime on this just so I get it right. Hour and 51. Okay, hour and 51. The movie wasn't over until like 1.30, though. I didn't get to bed until after two o'clock. Could I have watched on Peacock? Sure. But I wanted the cinematic experience. And again, I haven't made my mind up if this movie's actually bad, but I, I made a bunch of notes about the movie during watching it and after watching it. Some stuff that's funny and some stuff that just was on my mind. One. In the opening scene of the movie, more or less, this kid is babysitting another kid. The guy named Corey, who is at this point in time, he should be 18-ish. And he's babysitting some kid on Halloween night. 
and they're watching a movie together, a horror movie, which his mom probably would not want him to be watching. And I think she even suggested no scary movies. But they're watching John Carpenter's The Thing, which I thought, oh, hey, it's The Thing. I like that movie. It's my favorite horror movie. And then I thought, wait, John Carpenter directed the original Halloween movie. So how does The Thing exist in this world? How are they watching The Thing? How in the world could you be watching? I'm coming in too hot here. I'm just saying, how could you be watching The Thing if it was directed by the guy who directed a Halloween movie? That is like watching Elf in the MCU because John Favreau directed Elf and he also directed Iron Man 1 and 2 and he's an actor in the MCU. It, it's like if they were watching Elf. It breaks the movie in the first few minutes. It doesn't really. That's that's very nitpicky. It's just something I noticed and I thought was kind of silly. But one thing I'll say, Rohan Campbell, who plays Corey, who's like the main guy in the movie, really. He's the main character of this film. And that's why it's kind of odd, because it was set up in the first movie. There was Jamie Lee Curtis and then her daughter and then her granddaughter. And those were the main characters. And then the second movie was still them as the main characters. And so you figure this third one would be about, even though the daughter is dead, it would be about Lori and her granddaughter, which it is. But it's also mostly about this kid, Corey. And like I said, the kid does a good job. The actor does a good job. I haven't seen him in anything. He's apparently in the Hardy Boys series, and I'm sure he does a good job in that. And he does a good job in this movie. It's just kind of a confusing thing that in the third movie in a trilogy, you introduce a new character and make the movie about him. And I don't feel this movie complements the other movies. I don't feel there are themes explored in this movie that were only possible because of previous movies. I really don't think that. This could have even been its own solo movie it could have been the first movie in the franchise and i don't think it would have made much of a difference i don't think there was much set up in previous movies that made it where this one was possible and i think that's kind of important when you're doing like a trilogy or something like that that each movie kind of builds off the next movie that it's this continuous story and that none of the movies just completely ignore the previous movies I remember people not liking that about The Dark Knight Rises, that the Joker was not acknowledged in The Dark Knight Rises. And it's obviously because Heath Ledger was dead and out of respect to him, they just were not going to mention his character. Originally, he was a big part of the script. He was written into it. It was like a seven hour movie in its first draft. And he was in like the first couple hours of that seven hour movie. Maybe it was six hours. Either way, it, it was written to be very long. But out of respect to Heath Ledger, they said, well, we're not going to recast, so we'll just not acknowledge him. And I know some people had a problem with that, and I understand that. But in this case, I just don't get it. It's kind of how people had a problem with The Last Jedi, because The Last Jedi didn't acknowledge a lot of things in The Force Awakens. It didn't feel as much like a sequel to The Force Awakens. It felt like a sequel in name only like yeah it kind of picks up where the last one left off but it doesn't really build off of the last one in any way it kind of takes a completely different direction and that's what this movie does but it's really odd to do it in the third film but back to this kid Corey, 
He's getting bullied by everyone in the movie. I mean everyone. I've never seen anything like it. He's getting bullied by the kid he's babysitting. Like the kid is talking crazy to him. No, I would never let a kid talk to me that way. Ever. Not a million years. Call the police. I don't care. You aren't talking to me like that. And then, here's the other thing. Something crazy happens in the opening scene. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. I'm curious to see how this plays out. This seems like an interesting concept for a movie. And it'll revolve around the hysteria around Michael Myers and people kind of attributing that to a new person in town. Like they have to cling on to a new Michael Myers. And I was curious to see how the town reacted after this event in the opening scene. Instead, it just does a time jump. It jumps ahead like three, four years. And it's like, well, we didn't really get to see the effect it had on the town. You're kind of just seeing the after effect where it's, oh, this is how these people treat Corey now. And that's really all there is to it. And it works, I guess, for what the movie is trying to do. But I thought what it was originally doing seemed a little more interesting to me. But that's a personal preference thing. I can't critique the movie based on what I would have done or what I would have liked to see. I can only critique what they actually did. But not only is he getting bullied by this little kid that he babysits, he then, later in the movie when it does the time jump, is getting bullied by these high school kids that want him to buy some alcohol for him. And not just any high school kids. The lead high school kid is like, hey, we've been working really hard for our marching band thing. Can you buy some booze for us? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're getting bullied by marching band kids? Never in human history has someone been bullied by a marching band kid. And I know there's like one person that's going to hear this to say, hey, I was in a marching band and there were bullies in there. Yeah, you got bullied by another marching band kid. That doesn't count. That's nerd on nerd crime, okay? That does not count as bullying. I'm saying no other person has ever been bullied by a marching band kid. Not just that, they make this marching band kid, he's like dressed nice, he's got the hair slicked, he's wearing a Letterman jacket. I was like, come on, what are we doing here? I don't, I don't even know, if, I can't even blame Corey for getting bullied by this kid. This kid is just, he's so fictional. There has never been a marching band kid that looks like him or behaves like him, never. Never in a million years. It's not... <laughs> It's just, it's just crazy. There's so many crazy creative decisions. And I think the craziest one in this entire movie might be that they have a marching band kid bullying people. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. This is going to be my most raw, uncut episode. Okay, that sounds weird. But this is going to be my most uncut, untrimmed. Oh, wow. Yeah, this episode, I'm just letting it all hang out, basically. I, I don't know exactly what they were cooking with this one. And this might be a movie where years later, people are like, you know what? We were too hard on Halloween ends because X reasons. It was actually trying to be this or it actually accomplished being this. And hey, again, I, I thought I would maybe like it more after a good night's rest. I didn't get a good night's rest, so maybe that's why. But I did wake up feeling pretty much the same about it, where I'm just kind of confused. They just took a very odd direction with this franchise and with this movie. 
okay, my first note, because I have this list of notes that I made after the movie. So I mentioned, yes, he was getting bullied by everyone, even a little kid and marching band kids, which is insane. Then I said, this was like watching Peyton Manning in his last season. That's referring to Michael Myers in this movie. He is so washed up. Anyone who follows football, if you remember Peyton Manning in his last season with the Denver Broncos, it was painful to watch. The dude who is like an all-time legend, top three quarterback all-time, debatably. I mean, he's for sure top five. Some people thought he was like the GOAT. He was never really that, but he is really good. But in his last season, he could barely throw the ball over 10 yards, which I could do that. But he was struggling, man. He was struggling bad. And that's what it was like watching Michael Myers in this movie. He's huffing and puffing and looking just old. Okay, third note. I said, people are going to hate this shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think people are already hating this. Oh, here's a pro about the movie. I said, the score and soundtrack, actually pretty incredible. Now, some of that is enhanced by the fact I was in a Dolby theater, but I don't know how much of a role John Carpenter plays in the composition of the scores for these movies because he's credited as a composer as well as two other people. But I sometimes wonder if he's only credited because it's his original theme and they build every track off of his original theme more or less. But I saw an interview where it was like him talking about the music. So I feel like he has to be involved in some capacity. I just don't know to what extent. But the score for this movie is really, really good. Probably one of the best scores I've heard in a slasher movie. Actually, I won't even say probably one of the best. I think it's the best score I've heard in a slasher movie. It is really, really good. And that's like one of the main things that helps the movie. There's a few tracks in particular that are just pretty awesome. There's one called Evil Eyes, which is really good. One called The Junkyard, which is really good. And then another called The Procession. And it's an incredible score. It's very haunting in some ways. It adds suspense to the score. There's just, there's so much weight to every track. And that's the thing from a presentation standpoint, there is like a lot of weight to this movie. You just don't really feel the weight of the movie by the end of it. I think it has a very anticlimactic third act, incredibly anticlimactic. It does not feel like this massive finale or massive conclusion, not too different than Jurassic World Dominion in that way. Because Jurassic World Dominion in the third act, you're like, oh, finally what we came here for, the dinosaurs, and it's very short-lived. And this one, it's like, oh, finally what we came here for, and it's very short-lived. The whole movie kind of tricks you into thinking it's setting up for something that in the end, it's like, oh, gotcha, back to the other stuff that you came here for. But at that point, you're kind of too burned out to even care. Then I said, Rohan Campbell gives a very good performance, despite his character being confusing, to say the least. Yeah, his character, the writing is not as smooth as it can be. I kind of... Don't want to spoil it, but I'll just say I really didn't get some of the decisions they took with his character. Another point, my next point, I said, why are his undies dirty? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. There's one part where he kind of gets in a tussle and then gets pushed off a bridge and he's like covered in dirt and mud and stuff. And then he goes home and his mom's like, oh, what's happening? His mom's just annoying. But he goes straight to the bathroom and he takes his shirt off 
and he takes his pants off, but then his underwear is like all black. It, he has like these whitey tidies, but they have black all over him. I was like, why? Why are they dirty? How did that happen? Like that was that was an interesting moment for me. I, and I was looking around the theater like, is no one else asking why his underwear is stained black all over? Or maybe it was a dark brown. I didn't really get a, the best look at it. But why is the underwear stained? I don't know. That that was that was odd to me. That was very odd to me. And there's something, there's a note I have, but I feel like it spoils some of the movie. I'll just say this. There's a character in the movie who is like the Brock Osweiler to Michael Myers, Peyton Manning. And I will say nothing more. If you are a football fan, that may spoil the whole movie. If you're a diehard football fan, that may spoil it all. But I have a feeling no one's going to get that reference outside of a couple people that won't care. My next bullet point was the ending feels anticlimactic and like a huge part of the plot was wasted just to eventually go to what people actually came there for. Yeah. Next one, I said I was intrigued after the opening scene of where the movie is going. Then it took a major time jump and my interest dwindled. Yes, that is also true. I said, this does not feel like a sequel to Halloween Kills. The movie barely acknowledges Judy Greer's death, and there doesn't seem to be any sense of urgency each Halloween that nobody knows where Michael Myers went. That's the other thing. Halloween Kills ends with Michael Myers killing Judy Greer, and then he disappears. And in this movie, they just are going on with Halloween every year. Kids trick-or-treating and going to parties and all that. I'm like, are you serious? This guy killed, like, a million people last Halloween and then disappeared at the end of the night. And you all just went out the very next year on Halloween to parties and trick or treating. Not in a million years would I do that. Wow. My next point, this movie is basically the Jurassic World Dominion of the franchise and that they seem to forget people see these movies to watch dinosaurs eat people or watch Michael Myers kill people. Yeah, we see Jurassic Park because we like big dinosaurs and we like to see them eating people. You see Halloween or really any slasher movie, but specifically the Halloween franchise to watch Michael Myers kill people. And I think both movies kind of lost track of that until the end. It's like, oh, yeah. That. And yeah, I think we're too hard on Halloween kills. Halloween kills delivered exactly what you want out of a slasher movie. There is terrible decision making. There are plenty of brutal kills. And it's kind of hilarious. Sometimes unintentionally, sometimes maybe in a dark humor kind of way. Usually it's unintentional, though. This other thing I mentioned, Halloween Kills. The biggest problem with Halloween Kills is the same problem with Halloween 2. Because they made the first Halloween and it was a hit. People liked it. And then they made Halloween 2 and it was like, oh, Michael Myers is actually the brother of Laurie Strode. And it's like, how does that even make sense? And then they just kept doing weird stuff to try and add motivations to Michael Myers as to why he was coming after her. And it's like one thing that was great about the original is just he's referred to as the shape in the credits. That's how they have Michael Myers listed. And he just goes and just kills people. And there's not much of a motive. And that's kind of what's scary. It's like, oh, this guy is just killing people. And nothing can stop him. He's just pure evil. And then the second movie, it's, oh, actually, 
Laurie Strode, he knows her, it's his sister, or oh, or he thinks it's his sister. I don't even remember exactly what it is. It doesn't make sense. And then they did the same thing in Halloween Kills, where it's, oh, it's personal with Laurie Strode, but then, no, actually, what Michael Myers just wants is to go back to his childhood home, and it's like, hey, look, I don't care what his motives are. I don't want motives for Michael Myers. Those kind of the cool thing about him is that he's just a dude that kills. He just gets after it. He just goes to work. I don't care why he goes to work. When you go to Taco Bell, do you care why the guy serving you the grilled cheese burrito or the beefy five-layer burrito or the Crunchwrap Supreme? Do you care why he's working his job or do you just want the Crunchwrap Supreme? That's what it is with Michael Myers, dude. I do not care why he does what he does. I just want to see that boy do it. So that was the biggest problem with Halloween Kills. But outside of that, kind of, you know, was not terrible. I mean, it's bad, but it was entertaining. I would have given it a pass outside of that. And I did note, I said, I still like Bloomhouse, which is the production company that produces these movies. I'm actually a big fan of Jason Bloom as a producer. I think he's a good producer. He's produced some movies that I really like. Some are misses, but that's fine. They're usually these dumb, fun Halloween movies. And I respect that. And I said, I'm glad they made this trilogy because I think there's something in here for a lot of slasher fans. I think the first movie is a pretty classic slasher and does a good job with that. The second movie is a balls of the wall slasher, even though it's not great. I think it's still a fun time. And this one is a very unique take on the slasher genre. I don't want to say it's more in the vein of Joker because now I'm invoking the whole guy who's only watched Boss Baby getting strong Boss Baby vibes from this meme, if you guys are familiar with that one. But I will say this almost feels more like a movie in the vein of Joker at times than a Halloween movie. Okay, my other bullet point was what was he cooking? And there's this meme of Thanos. It's not even a meme. It was like this screen grab from a YouTube channel. But you see Thanos from Avengers Endgame when he's like cooking something in his pot. But it has the caption, what was he cooking? And people usually do that when someone says something weird or crazy or does something weird or crazy. They'll reply with that that YouTube thumbnail that says, what was he cooking? It's the picture of Thanos. But I was thinking that about David Gordon Green, the director of this movie. The other thing, I'm looking at the cast of this movie right now. There's this guy who plays a police officer who formerly dated the girl Allison in the movie, played by Andy Matichek. That's the girl, Allison. And I probably butchered her last name. Very cute girl, by the way. But the officer, who's her ex-boyfriend, they make him look like he's 40. I swear on my life, he looks so freaking old for her. It is insane. And at the same time, she seems to have interest in the dude, Corey, not seems to. She's like really digging Corey. And Corey says some crazy shit throughout this movie. I'm telling you, I was like, man, if this gets women, I have been doing it wrong. This guy is saying some stuff like school shooter type of stuff. And she is all in. I was like, dang, what do you know that I don't? How are you falling for this? Like, what? What? He's talking about some weird, violent stuff, and she is just overlooking every red flag, and it's insane to me, but I don't know. Weird things overcome these women when there's kind of an odd-looking guy who seems kind of quiet and awkward. I mean, 
No, I shouldn't. I, I was going to say there's a few celebrities like that that I see people thirsting over. I'm like, what are you looking at? But yeah, I don't get it. I really don't. I am at a loss for words with this movie. One other note, there's a nurse in the movie who is not bad. She's not bad. <laughs> That's nothing to do with anything in the movie. I'm just saying I did see the nurse and was like, oh, nice. <laughs> Look, I um. I'm glad I made it through this review. Yeah, I, this is all I'm going to have time to talk about. I usually open with something else and maybe close with something else. But my overall thoughts on this movie, if you want to see it, then go see it. If you have Peacock, then maybe just watch it from home if you're just like curious. Or if you must see it in a theater, I will say just see it on a Tuesday night, you know. Hey, there's a chance, by the way, because I'm seeing people say that this movie is actually like a masterpiece and I'm not really buying that, but maybe I'm the weird one, you know, because I, I like some movies that a lot of people don't like and I don't even understand why they don't like them. And maybe I am in the camp of like everybody else in this one where it's like, hey, I love like Batman v Superman and I don't get the hate for it from outsiders. And I think it's just misjudged by most people. And so I'm thinking, am I like those other people on this one? Is this actually like a good movie? I know there's like people who hail The Last Jedi as like the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. And I'm not one of those people. I was in the camp of like, no, I like it. I just don't think it's one of the best movies. And I was a little disappointed with other aspects on rewatch, but I wasn't this major believer in the movie, but I wasn't the biggest hater either. And on this one, I don't think I'm the biggest hater because I think if it was not a Halloween movie, if you remove Michael Myers from this movie altogether and just made it as a regular horror movie, it would probably be a lot better. Or if you just made it as like a legacy movie, but I think people would not have been able to watch it without Michael Myers. But that's the biggest problem is Michael Myers is in the shadows of this movie the whole time. And that's what most people are there for. Even if you are open to different stories within that universe, that's kind of what you're there for. So I guess in my closing thoughts, I'll just say props for trying to do something new, I guess. I just don't think this was the movie in the franchise to do it. I don't think you do it in the finale of the franchise to take a different direction and kind of abandon anything that was previously set up. Like to do a time jump after the last movie is kind of just an interesting decision. So I disagree with most creative decisions in this movie. I think overall it's actually okay as a horror movie because it's an interesting concept. I like the concept, but I just don't think the execution justified the decisions that they made. I disagreed with too many creative decisions, and I don't think the execution was flawless enough to justify the creative decisions that were made. That's my opinion. I think it is bold, and I respect that. I respect it was trying to do something new, but it didn't work for me. I think it's okay at the end of the day. I'm not going to say it's a terrible movie. I think it's okay. But if you're going in as a Michael Myers fan looking to see a bunch of slasher kills and get a ton of suspense in the movie and all that, you're not going to get that. You are absolutely not going to get that. You will be very disappointed. So temper your expectations. This movie is just not exactly what is advertised. Maybe you'll really dig it because it's something different and new. Maybe you'll be disappointed, but I guess we'll see. Anyway, that's my thoughts on Halloween ends for now. I might have more thoughts later, but that's all I got for now. I will see you guys again for my third edition of Double Weenie Wednesday this week. 
and then of course for my third edition of Final Girl Friday at the end of this week. So I will talk to you then.